Hey there, I'm Beth Connors, a midwife and mom of two, but also your birth bestie. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into everything you need to feel confident, prepared, and in control from baby bump to delivery room, from practical tips to personal stories. We'll cover it all so you know exactly what to expect every step of the way. Let's get into it. Welcome back to episode 18 of Your Birth Bestie podcast. Today we are going to be talking about labor positions and pushing tips and how to avoid perineal tearing during birth. And let me tell you, this is going to be way better than just a list of tips because I want you to be completely ready for this part of your labor. I know that I wasn't and looking back, it caused so much of my negative feelings towards my first birth experience. So I'll talk a little bit about my own experiences and also what I found to be the most helpful for moms since I've cared for hundreds of moms over the last few years. But before we get into it, let's talk about the power of a natural-minded approach to birth. I know many of you are here because you want minimal medical interventions, and I love that. Birth is beautiful, it is a natural process, and there are plenty of ways to support it without unnecessary interference. From natural pain management to breathing techniques, we will explore the benefits of relying on your body's innate abilities and using those to your advantage as we talk about labor, pushing, and also avoiding perineal tearing. And it doesn't matter if you're planning a hospital birth or exploring other options, The positions that you choose during labor can definitely make a difference. So I wanted to talk about some of my favorite positions for each stage of labor, from early contractions to active pushing, remembering that it is all about finding what works for you and what's best for you and your baby. As your labor progresses, certain positions can help you manage the intensity of contractions. They can also encourage your baby to descend further in your pelvis, and they can also make pushing way more effective which are all amazing things for sure, right? So I want to start with talking about three of my favorite pushing positions, and none of them include lying on your back, even though this is such a common position in the hospital, and it's very intentional that I'm not including this one. Unless, of course, you find that lying on your back is instinctually what is working for you to cope through your labor, I would definitely avoid it otherwise, if that's not the case, because there are so many other things to try. So follow your body's cues first, but explore other options if you're open to them. And the first position is side lying. And lying on either side is great for many women. And it is probably the most common position that I have delivered babies in the hospital. It is comfortable for mom because it's also a resting position that is in the bed after maybe a long labor and you're really, really tired, but it also gives asymmetry in the pelvis. And it's a really great position for all stages of labor, but really helps open the outlet of the pelvis with that asymmetry of your femur. So to do this, you can lie on either side, it doesn't matter, with your bottom leg straight down and a peanut ball supporting your top leg with your, you know, your top leg comfortably bent up into your chest. And it's kind of like a lunge, but you are lying on your side and your top leg is supported by that peanut ball. And this is a really great place to rest in labor, even before that pushing stage, really making sure if you're in this moment here in this stage to at least change your position every 30 minutes. Even going from side to side, if you like this sideline position, is really, really great for labor. And then for pushing in this position, 
if you choose to be side-lying. You can take out that peanut ball and grab your top knee, bring it to your chest, or you can have your support person help you support that leg as well. Not only is this great for opening up the pelvic outlet, but it gives you leverage and control to help you push by bringing that leg back. And I found it to be so much more effective than pushing on your back in the bed. So another reason to get off your back. And I did forget to mention too that this is a great choice if you choose an epidural. There is no reason that you have to labor and push on your back at any time. And it could actually be more painful lying on your back and surely takes so much longer to push your baby out. So side lying is a great option for epidurals as well. My next favorite position is all fours or hands and knees. And this was my go-to for both of my labors. And as a side story, in my first labor experience, my team of doctors and nurses said that I had to push on my back in the bed. And I listened to this for four hours. And then a vacuum assisted device was needed. And I actually naturally just wanted to be on my hands and knees leaning over the bed, but I was encouraged by my healthcare team to line my back. But obviously after four hours of this instruction to me, she was not easily coming out their way. And I had no idea why I wasn't given options or repositioned at all during this time. You know, every few contractions like you should be. But I had no idea what to do or didn't know that there were other options available to me. So I just went with the flow and it was awful. So please, please don't do this. Speak up for yourself. And hopefully with the ideas from this episode, you can do exactly that. But all fours or being in hands and knees is a great position to relieve back pain. And it also encourages your baby to rotate in the best position for birth. So to do this, you would get on your hands and knees, making sure that your wrists are in line with your shoulders and your knees are in line with your hips. You can kind of rock your hips back and forth during contractions to help the baby's head press more against the cervix, which will also help with dilation and labor progress, which is great. Also having your birth partner uh, available to you in this position, they can apply counter pressure to your lower back if needed. Um, This can be very helpful. But I can tell you that this is not for everyone, though. I personally am not one that likes to be touched in labor. So I remember being very direct with my nurse when she was trying to do a hip squeeze for me in this position. And I let her do it for one contraction. And then after that, I was like, nope, don't do that again, please. Um, You can also use ice packs or heat packs. These are often used in this position to to help with lower back pain um, if you're having some back labor. So if that feels good to you, those are options as well. And then the squatting position is also a powerful, and this is an ancient birthing position. So it has worked for many, many years, and it helps to widen the pelvic outlet, giving your baby more space to descend. And this is really good too in pregnancy to practice deep squats that will help with your flexibility and can actually help speed up labor progress when you actually go into labor. So to do this in the hospital, for example, your nurse can either attach a birthing ball to the foot of your bed that would actually help support yourself up into a sitting position, and then you would use it to squat with, and you would use that that birthing bar as leverage. Your partner can also help support you um, when you're in labor into a squatting position from behind, and you would be on the floor. So this is a great option in either in either way. And squatting is also great to relax your pelvic floor between contractions to prevent straining and also increases the blood flow to the area. 
Also, by just being in this position and not lying down, you're using gravity to your advantage and letting your body weight assist you in pushing. And if you're wondering how the heck you're supposed to get into a squat or on all fours if you have an epidural, you probably won't, but you might be able to with the support of your birth team. And actually, if baby isn't tolerating tolerating labor well at any point and you have an epidural, um, a team of nurses sometimes will come in and they will help reposition mom just in case there's like a position with baby on, on their cord, not getting enough oxygen. And the position of choice is typically, you know, sideline or hands and knees. And the hands and knees position really, really works well. So this can be definitely done with an epidural. And as we are also considering positions, if you have an epidural, I want to briefly mention another option too, and that is the semi-sitting position. And the semi-sitting position is a great tool to use during the pushing phase if you have an epidural because it allows gravity as well to work in your favor without being in a full squat. So picture yourself comfortably propped up in kind of like a reclined position with your back and your head supported by pillows as you're in the bed. So your knees are bent and you are holding the back of your thighs as you push. Um, You could also try resting your feet in the stirrups on the bed and bringing your knees together while your feet stay outwards. Instead of that normal feet in the stirrups and relaxing your legs out to the side, it will actually make it easier to push your baby out if your knees are together and your feet are apart. So that is something that not all providers really practice, but I have definitely seen this work. So if you think about it in the moment, or if you can have your partner remember this, this is an awesome tool if you've been pushing for a little bit and you know you want to make the pushing stage a little bit easier. Um, so overall, the semi-sitting position is great to ease the pressure on your perineum as well, promoting better blood flow to your baby and using gravity to your advantage, especially when you want to get off your back and you are confined to your bed with an epidural. So this would be another go-to as well with an epidural. So those are my favorite positions for labor and for pushing. And now I want to talk about the actual pushing stage and some tips for that. So you are finally found to be 10 centimeters dilated. That's if you actually have a cervical check to confirm that, which again is not required. You don't need any cervical exams in order to give birth. So just know that. Or if you are feeling the urge to push without a cervical exam. So this means it's time to push. Either way is really great, and I strongly recommend that no matter if you agree to a cervical exam or not, as long as you and baby are doing well, do not push until you feel the urge. And that is my first tip for sure. Push when you naturally feel like you need to, not only when you are found to be 10 centimeters dilated and instructed by your doctor to begin pushing at that time. And I know this is the moment that you have been waiting for the entire time, But nobody is in charge of your choice to begin pushing besides you. You're the only one capable, right, of pushing your baby out. So you have to find it within you to make that happen. And it's so much harder if you're not ready and you don't even feel like you have to push yet. And this is a standard practice in the hospital, really, to push at 10 centimeters dilated. And at this point, staff would coach you and tell you when to push and for how long. But I also don't recommend you do it this way. I'd much rather you take control of the situation and listen to your body. Trust your instincts and follow your body's cues during the pushing stage because your body knows what to do. 
The next super important tip that I don't feel like is ever talked about is having patience and allowing yourself to rest. You may push one time. I've seen moms literally laugh their babies out involuntarily or vomit, and the same thing happens. But for the majority of moms, pushing will last between, I would say, 30 minutes and two hours, sometimes several hours longer as well in my case, but we're going to try to avoid that, right? So remembering that labor is a marathon and not a sprint is important. You have to allow yourself moments of rest between contractions to really regain that energy for the next push. So if you have to skip a contraction or even two contractions or three contractions and you can't push, take a break. I would so much rather you push really effectively less times than be really exhausted the entire time and show less effort, making you even more tired and pushing lasting even longer. So remember, it's about the effectiveness of the push for sure, not how many pushes you can get during those 60 second contractions and not holding your breath for some required 10 second count each time. That can be exhausting and oftentimes ineffective, but remember, sometimes moms do actually prefer this, so in the moment, you will f- figure out what's right for you. And breathing is something I wanted to talk about too. It's usually not best to have coached pushing, or maybe you've heard of purple pushing during birth, and this is when you are told to take a deep breath in during a contraction. You would hold your breath, and you would bear down into your bottom and push for as hard as possible for 10 seconds, and then you would repeat that two more times during each contraction. I would so much rather you first wait for the urge to push, like I mentioned, and focus on your breathing. It can be slow, deep breaths to really conserve your energy and stay centered in the moment. Coach pushing is forced and aggressive in my experience, and I don't like the energy that it brings into the labor room. It can definitely be done more gently for sure, but oftentimes it turns into shouting and cheering, and it's very chaotic in my opinion, and it's not my favorite thing. So if you do want someone to count for you, keep this in mind that it doesn't have to be loud and chaotic. And that's just a side note and kind of a pet peeve of mine to be yelling at women, even though it's supposed to be encouraging. I get that. Um, But oftentimes it doesn't come across as that. But instead, what is really great is when it's time to push, to take a deep cleansing breath in, and as you exhale, direct all of that energy towards pushing. Your breath is your power for sure, but that doesn't mean that you have to hold it in to be powerful. Work with this and find your rhythm. Labor can be an intense and challenging process, but don't forget to find your rhythm and pace yourself. Pushing with steady and controlled efforts can make a significant difference in your experience. And then my last tip is that you might feel nervous or uncertain or like you have no idea what you're doing when it's time to push. And that's okay and definitely normal. And within a few contractions, you will definitely get into a rhythm. So don't worry. And to feel more empowered and in control during this stage of birth, focus on your breathing Don't forget to pace yourself and plan for several positions that you would like to try in labor that will hopefully help work with gravity and encourage your baby's descent, ease pressure on your back and your perineum, and overall just feel more comfortable for you. Okay, so after talking about labor positions and some information on pushing during labor, let's talk briefly about how to avoid perineal tearing. 
let's face it, nobody wants to tear and experience the short and long-term effects of that. So why not talk about how to prevent it or really reduce the severity of a tear? And this statistic will sound worse than how I want you to think about it, but perineal tearing is a common thing that happens during childbirth, affecting about 90% of moms delivering vaginally. And this includes all tears, so not all are severe. And in most cases, you can be reassured that many tears are minor and heal quickly with proper care, and oftentimes they don't even need stitches. The perineum is very adaptive, and it's meant to stretch to birth your baby, and also thankfully it heals quickly too. But either way, if we can reduce the trauma to that area, we will. So you've already done the first one just by listening to this episode, which is preparing for the pushing stage. You really want to try for controlled pushing and easing your baby out slowly to allow those tissues to stretch. Sometimes though, you just can't help it and the fetal ejection reflex kicks in and you follow your body's cues. As long as it feels natural and you're in control, this is probably just fine. You can also request for your provider to give you cues of when to slow down pushing and when to kind of pant your breathing to gently ease your baby out. Having this reminder can be helpful. Also, keeping the perineum warm with warm washcloths during the pushing stage might help reduce tearing. Many providers will apply lubrication during crowning as well to help this, so this is also an option. And perineal massage is something that you also might have heard about, and it can be done at the end of your third trimester by you or with the help of your partner, and is done by inserting two fingers with lubricant at the opening of the vagina and moving them from side to side with slight downward pressure. And it can also be done by by your provider during labor, but to be honest, the research is conflicting whether it helps or not with reducing tears, but I don't see anything negative about it. So unless of course it's painful, please don't do it if it's painful. It is really just a personal preference. It may help a little bit, but it also might not make a difference. And then my last tip and most important factor to reducing perineal tearing is to deliver in an upright position or really at least just not flat on your back. We talked about this before too, but just as a reminder, it is the biggest factor to reduce perineal trauma, so please consider taking labor positioning seriously. And remember, it is common to have some degree of tearing, although with these tips, I hope you can get away without any perineal tearing and remembering that your body is designed to handle childbirth. It is not always possible to prevent tearing completely, but these tips will definitely help you lower the risk. Thank you so much for tuning in to Your Birth Bestie podcast. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with any soon-to-be parents that might love this information too. I am wishing you all of the best as you prepare to meet your baby, whenever that may be. And as always, message me on Instagram at bethconnors underscore CNM, and let's chat about how I can help you support your birth goals. Thanks again for being here, and I will see you next Tuesday.